hierarchies are more flattened in all all different contexts. And I think we have to understand power as influence versus power as control and see power as stewardship. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the second season of the Faith at Work podcast, where we get the joy of bringing you conversations that discuss how our faith informs our everyday work. This season, we've been sitting down with a variety of experts, thought leaders, and working professionals to talk about how to navigate difficult everyday situations at work and how our faith should inform our response. All of this is to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to be people who work with wisdom. And today I'm sitting down with Jenny Katrin, a writer, speaker, and leadership expert whose passion is to lead well and to inspire, equip, and encourage others to do the same. She's the founder and the CEO of The Foresight Group, and she speaks at conferences nationwide, seeking to help others develop their leadership gifts and lead confidently. She's also the author of several books, including Clout, Discover and Unleash Your God-Given Influence, and The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. Today, we're going to be talking about something that all leaders deal with, power. In this conversation, we're going to be unpacking God's intention and design for power and what power looks like in the workplace and how we can be people that steward it well. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the Faith at Work podcast. Daniel, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's really, really great to to have you here. And I'm excited about our conversation today because I don't think power is one of those things uh, that we always take the time to really stop and pause and think about. It's one of those right, things right. that is just there and it's kind of always in the background and we know there's a lot of power dynamics at work um, and that may change or influence the way that we do or don't do things. Um, but I think talking about this and reflecting on it, uh, I think is going to be uh, really helpful and hopefully really beneficial for our listeners today. Um, but before we get there uh, to all the fun stuff, I just want to talk a little bit about you and your background. Um, for our listeners who don't know you as well, could you just share a little bit more about your story and your background and then how you became so interested in leadership? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it's funny. I am a Midwest kid. I grew up in northern Wisconsin and I grew up in a very small, small town, um, blue collar, you know, just good salt of the earth people. And but I had kind of big city dreams as a kid. So hmm. I set my sights on Nashville, Tennessee. I wanted to work in the Christian music business. Oh, yeah. That was like dream yep. job as a kid. Yep. Right. And uh, and I, I did. I um, uh, went to school in Tennessee, got a job at a record company. And that was my first, I say my first career. I spent almost a decade in the Christian music business and just had a remarkable like first opportunity to learn, grow, lead. And I'm sure I'll tell plenty of stories about that era. Yeah. And then I went into ministry full-time. My husband and I were a part of planting a church in Nashville. And uh, before too long, the church was growing pretty quickly. And I got the tap on the shoulder saying, hey, could you come and lead the staff and the strategy and some of the more operational leadership type of things that was just my sweet spot. Uh, I was invited to come on staff as executive director. So I did that for uh, almost another 10 years, went to a church in California for a couple of years as executive pastor there. And then I started the company that I now lead called the Foresight Group. And really the heart and spirit of Foresight is we want to cultivate healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. So we do leadership coaching, uh, and we do staff culture consulting, again, helping leaders and teams be thriving and healthy. And my passion around these topics was really birthed from all of my mistakes as a young leader. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, and uh, honest to God, Daniel, I was, I was just a 
I was an eager, ambitious young leader that, you know, was just wanted to do a really good job, but I didn't have skills and tools for how to lead others well. And I'll never forget one of my conversations with one of my bosses at the record company. Uh, It was a season where I had just been promoted, given a lot of responsibility, and uh, I was floundering. And my team was frustrated. I was frustrated. And I went to my boss and kind of said, hey, I think we need to like, you know, get a new team. Like I was Mm. pointing the finger everywhere else. Um, Give me new people. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, can we fire this whole crew and hire a new team? And he looked at me and he said, Jenny, if you want to work with widgets, go work in a factory. But if you want to work with people, you're going to have to learn to love them, to lead them. Hmm. And that conversation was kind of the, the turning point in me looking at leadership differently. And it really connects with our conversation today. I didn't understand. I didn't have a healthy perspective on power or a healthy perspective on leadership. And that conversation, I think, was single-handedly uh, instigated my passion for what does a healthy leader look like? How do I be that? And then, of course, it's become like what I devote my life and energy right. to. So that probably more story than you wanted, but that gives you kind of the backstory of how I got here. No, that's great. I love I love that story. Um, I love uh, that there was like a particular turning point that was there and really changed your whole perspective uh, on leadership. And yeah, something we'll probably touch on a little bit uh, later today as well. So um, as we talk about power, I think a lot of us um, when we we almost cringe when we hear that word. I think a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. one of those things where I think we usually start with a negative perspective around power to, just to begin with. Um, yep. And maybe that's because we've seen the downfall of a lot of leaders, whether that's in the church, politics, pop culture, you name it. We have we've seen a lot of that. Um, yeah. And so maybe we have a little bit of a higher skepticism of leaders and of power and, and some of those things. So I just want us to maybe back up for a second um, and just just talk a little bit first about, well, what what is power? And maybe how do we even mm. see that play out in the Bible? And like, what is what is that? What does healthy power actually look like? Yeah, it's such a good question. And even as we were prepping for this conversation, it got me thinking again about this because mm. I think we do arrive at our understanding of power based upon our experiences at a very young age, right? Like, so whatever our relationship was to people who had authority over us. So whether it's parents, our first bosses, our parents' bosses, you know, like we're forming our perspective of power based upon the stories or experiences we hear. And, you know, so just simple definition in the context that we're talking about, a lot of times power is, I mean, power is authority. Who has the authority uh, in a relational dynamic? And uh, and sometimes power can be equated to control. So who has the control hmm. in a particularly in a relational dynamic? And so you can see why that word is sometimes uh, not our favorite word, because yeah. none of us like to be controlled. And um, we have a very independent kind of culture as a as particularly in the US. But you know, just I think in, as people in general, we like to be independent, we don't like people to have authority or control or power over us. And so we kind of, we generally have a a bit of a pushback to it. Now, I think a healthier perspective of power sees power more as influence and stewardship. Hmm. And so like thinking of like even the biblical, you know, like biblical context, and I'm not a, I'm not a theologian and a pastor. So I want to be conscious (laughs) of this is, you know, there's going to be some people who are more studied and versed to be able to unpack that. 
But I think like simply about, um, uh, you know, going back to the creation story and where God entrusts Adam and Eve to have dominion over the earth, right? Like they were given power. They were given the stewardship responsibility of managing God's creation, Mm -hmm. right? So you could see there, like one of the first places where people were given power was to steward the creation, right? And then um, one of my favorite stories, I use this a lot because I do a lot of organizational consulting. And one of my favorite stories in scripture is where um, Moses is, you know, he is, he's leading the people and um, his father-in-law is there visiting him, Jethro. And Jethro is watching Moses and Moses is trying to handle all of the issues that the Israelites are facing, right? Like there's just a myriad of things going on at this particular part of the story. And Moses is like all day long, you know, fielding the questions that, you know, are coming from people or they're, they're needing him to solve the challenges or dynamics. And Jethro says to him, Hey, what you're doing is not good. You need to delegate people who have the authority and power to help solve the smaller problems. So you're handling the, the, the biggest ones. So I joke that we get there like the first organizational chart in scripture where Jethro says to Moses, hey, you got to build an org chart. You got to build a structure so you can give some of that power or authority to other people so that you're not overwhelming yourself. And so I think there's some places in scripture where we see uh, power not designed to be um uh over overpowering or you know like uh but it, it actually designed to help us steward better what we're entrusted with yeah and so those are a couple things that come to mind to me is um that even how we think about power and i think that the question for all of us is how do i think about power one of the things i realized about myself is because of growing up in kind of a blue collar town where the hierarchy within a, a manufacturing environment is pretty clear, right? You yeah. know, like hierarchy is pretty given, it's pretty strict. And those were the stories that I heard as a kid from my family talking about, you know, their their business environment, you know, a manufacturing environment. And so, and it wasn't always positive. The storylines weren't always positive. And I think what we're having to navigate, especially in today's culture where Everybody has a voice in everything. We're we're much more, you know, like hierarchies are more flattened in all all different contexts. Yep. And I think we have to understand power as influence versus power as control and see power as stewardship rather than and it is still a level of authority, but it's the it's like what am I entrusted with? And how do I steward that well? Yeah. So I yeah. could probably keep going, but I'll pause because no. you might pull on, pull on some threads there. No, that's so good. I, I love the example that you gave with Jethro um, and him going to Moses and empowering or, you know, t- telling him how he can empower others. And I that's think there's right. a really beautiful picture here because on one hand, there is a release of power. Jethro mm-hmm. is saying, you know, actually, Moses, you actually need to let go let of some go. of those things, right? And there's that relinquishing, like you said, of control and of what of what power is. But um, the one of the things that I, I also think about is that by doing that, you're also giving power to other people. Like you're creating right. more power. And That's right. um, and I think this is an idea that Andy Crouch. I don't know if you've ever read the book called Playing God by Andy Crouch. It's really good. I haven't read that it, one. Highly no. recommend. But he talks about about this idea where, um, like 
a power in a healthy way creates opportunities for other people and empowers others, right? Like it creates more That's power good. in this sense, right? And yeah. I love that because I feel like in that example with with Jethro going to to Moses and is he's you know he's saying empower other people not only for you uh, but also for other people as well and for their benefit. Uh, I feel right. like there's I feel like there's uh, something really important to that. Um, so I love I love that. So when we think about this, like in the context of the workplace, um, right, that's a really beautiful vision of, of work, um, but that might not be the, the actual way that we experience it or the way that we, um, yeah, in, intend for it to play out. So I, I yeah. want to talk about maybe the call or the task. So for the person that is uh, in a level of authority or has um, power in the workplace and is able to actually um provide a level of control or is, is in authority to be able, able to make decisions. What do you feel like their, like, what do you feel like their call is? Like, how do they actually steward their power in a way that is doing that where it's actually empowering other people to do something that they feel called to do? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think such a healthy thing for us to do when we have those positions of power or leadership, um, you know, and it's kind of like that very first uh, story I shared about my boss who was like, you got to learn to love yeah. people to lead people, you know, <laughs> like, and what he was saying is that I didn't have a good perspective of what it meant to be a leader or to have a position of power, right? Like I didn't under, I didn't really comprehend what it was about. It was no longer about me. And this was, this was the learning that was so powerful because my boss was saying, Hey, it's actually about the people. It's not about you. And I think sometimes when we get to higher positions of leadership or power, we, whether I'm sure it's subconscious, I'm sure for most of us, it's not a very, it's not a conscious like, woo, this is all about me. But I think we, it is often about our growth trajectory or the the career path we have in mind. And that means I, I need to get to this seat and to this seat and to this seat. And we often think it's like those positions of power are about our goals and our accomplishment and our dreams and things we want to make happen. And I think what's really helpful and healthy for those of us that do have positions of power is that we recognize the sacred work that that is. So one of the things that when I'm working with leaders, I'm constantly coaching them on what do you really believe about leadership? Like, and, you know, for for the, for the sake of discussion, I'm talking to people who are typically in positions of power over others or influence yep. over mm -hmm. others, right? So we'll use that as the framework for leadership for this discussion. And so, you know, I'm saying to them, what do you really believe about leadership? Because if you believe leadership is about you, it's for you, it's for your success, for your achievement of your goals, you're probably going to have a very short-lived se uh, seat in that, that leadership role. And or it's going to be pretty frustrating pretty quickly. Leadership really is about others. So, um, you know, leadership, we often say, John Maxwell would say leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I love that framing because he's saying leaders really need to understand the significance of influence. Now, the word influence by definition means the power to change or affect someone. So here comes, we've come full circle to the power thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, it, you know, when you're in leadership, you're in a position of power. Maxwell would say leadership is influence. Well, influence by definition means the power to change or affect someone. So when you think about your position of leadership, you are changing or affecting the lives of the people who you have responsibility for. And I bet everybody listening can point to leaders in their life who use that influence really, really well 
and you have amazing stories and you were so invested in. I literally was on a conversation this morning with one of my leaders from back in my music business days. And like one of the best leaders I've ever worked for, like had extraordinary influence and impact on my life and is probably a big reason why I do the work I do today. And so we can name those people, but I bet most of us can also name the person who did not steward that influence well, right? They, they did not treat us well. They, you know, they did and, and their impact or their influence did change or affect us, but not positive. Hmm. So every leader has got to recognize you have this power to change or affect the lives of the people in your span of care or your circles of influence. And if you are not conscious of how do I want that power to look? How do I want that power to be experienced? The trajectory of your influence is going to look, is going to be vastly different. And so uh, one of my deep convictions is that leadership is sacred work because we are truly changing or influencing the lives of the people in our care. And I think when we assume that posture, it changes everything in how we think about power. No longer is power uh, about me. Power is really about how do I better equip you? And that framing, I think, makes all the difference. Yeah, it changes it changes everything. It's a complete 180 of, of yeah, perspective, right? of thought. And yeah. uh, I, I think that, like... Um, like you said, in, in most of the people that you're working with, right, they're people that are probably higher up in organizations where you're you're coaching them in that way. But I think even for any of anybody that has, uh, even if you're a middle manager or somebody that is just has some level of authority or influence, right, whether you're leading right. a team of three people or 150 people, that's still a perspective that you can adopt and that will change that's the right. way that you're actually going to go about, um, you know, the way that you're going to you're going to go about it. Um, so I, yeah. I think that is, uh, such a really helpful principle for us to kind of like really sit with and, and really think about. Um, so I want to talk like, do you, I, I'm curious, do you have like a, a good example of maybe what like this has looked like? I don't know if there's even an example from your own life or your own, mm. or your own journey, um, maybe of when this has actually worked really well, or it can be like from somebody that you have worked with. I'm just curious if you've, mm-hmm. if there's a, a way that you've seen this play out like really well, just to make it practical. Well, I'll give you a, a compare and contrast story in my own journey. So, you know, I, I shared a little bit of how kind of in the early days, I'm a very driven, I'm a firstborn overachiever. I'm a very driven leader and um, a little less experienced, though those edges were a little rougher, you know, like, you know, so like some people's <laughs> first experience with me, it was not uncommon to hear people refer to me as heartless as a leader, right? Because <laughs> I was just so incredibly driven. And I'm yeah. not even joking. I've literally had those words said to me. And then contrast that with fast forward a couple of decades and a few bumps and bruises along <laughs> the way. And I had a team member working with me here at Foresight. And I was telling the story, I was doing a leadership cohort, and I was telling the story of some of those earlier days of my leadership. And I was just reflecting on that just, you know, leader with the rough edges who was a bit heartless and so driven. And this team member stopped me and she said, Jenny, she said, it is so fascinating to hear that story because that is not how I experience you now. And that was just like, that was like one of those moments where you're just so grateful for God's grace and, you know, redemption, because, you know, here was a leader in a different season of my life. And after me really trying to learn and grow, and I have not perfected this, Daniel, you probably talked to team members today who would say, yeah, she's occasionally still heartless. (laughs) But, 
but for to to see that growth and have somebody acknowledge that was so and and it really I do believe goes back to reframing how I thought about leadership, how mm. I thought about power and how I recognized the sacredness of influence and really seeing leadership responsibility as that. Um, there's a, Barna did some research, been, I think it's been a couple of years ago now, but okay. I'm, I, I'm sure the data still bears out, but they did some research and 82% of 18 to 35 year olds said that as a country, we're in a leadership crisis because there are no good leaders. The, was this just like was the American public? This wasn't like, was yes. this Christian? This wasn't okay, just this church is... leaders or Christian leaders. This was the public at large. Wow. 82%? 82% of 18 to 35 year olds, wow. which tells you the, like this young generation is looking and going, where are the leaders? Because mm-hmm. we've seen the examples of the abuse of power in all sectors of society, right? Right. right? And they're saying we are in a leadership crisis because there are no good leaders. And that was just like, again, as somebody who's devoted my life and energy to leadership development, I'm like, ooh, okay, we've got a lot of work to do. But people's perspective of leadership is not healthy, right? Like they've seen way too many stories and we see way too many headlines. And what te- and it tells me that they're not having good experiences in the workplace. There's more data, and this data has been around for, since like the 1970s that over 50% of people leave their job because of a bad boss. Hmm. Like people leave jobs because of a bad boss. And that data has stayed consistent, you know, uh, decade upon decade. And so it just tells me we've still got so much learning to do to understand when we have those positions of power, how do we steward them better or more effectively? Hmm. I probably went on a tangent for, with you. So no, that's great. <laughs> so you can read. I love tangents. Me. Yeah, no, that that's, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's with, with so many people kind of looking at the world and saying, yeah, we have we have a leadership crisis is really unfortunate. It's also really interesting, too. I feel like you can go to the library and you can find as many leadership books as you want. So I feel like in one level, it's it's not even a lack of knowledge. You know, it's like we that's right. Right. They, we yeah. have the knowledge. Yeah. But there's this sense of like we actually have to live this out. Right. Uh, and we That's actually right. have to embody this, which requires a different level of humility, um, which requires it, it requires all of the things that I, I think um, it, it requires spiritual disciplines and for us to actually right. be those types yeah. of people. So I'm I'm also I'm curious to dive into that side as well of like, what are what are some things, for, whether it's for you or for other people that you say, hey, these are some things that you should really put into practice to help you become a leader that people actually want to follow and where you're actually mm-hmm. able to distribute power and not, you know, clench your fist and want to hold on to it, but actually be good at releasing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to acknowledge, like, especially for those of you listening and you have, you know, like positions of power and responsibility inside of the companies you're a part of, it is really hard to do this because the pace of organizational life, the pace of the business world, like, it we get thrown into positions where you have many of you have span of care within your company that is not not realistic for being able to be that thoughtful intentional leader who's giving time and energy to each individual which is ideal right that stewardship of people concept and so i want to acknowledge that this is also really hard because i bet there's leaders listening who are saying of course i want to be that healthier leader. Mm-hmm. I want to be intentional about steward people, stewarding people. I want it to be about them and not just about me. And yet 
I've got to meet the bottom line. I've got to meet shareholders' expectations. I've got this pressure from the board. I've got this pressure from my boss, like of, of these metric or these goals and different things that you have to hit. And so when we're under that kind of pressure, often it squeezes out the uh, more relational side of what I think helps produce healthier leadership. Yeah. And so I just want to be acknowledging of this is this is extraordinarily challenging now because we're probably talking to people of faith and, you know, want their values to guide you starting with the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, like the fruit of the spirit is countercultural. Like, like if you show up as a leader and you just go, okay, how do these things guide me? Yeah. Especially at work. It, those are countercultural. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the, yeah. That's the thing. It's like at work, those things are countercultural. Now, again, I recognize you're having to show up and work with people who don't share those same values. And in some cases you might get diminished for sharing some of those values that guide who you are as a Christian. But my conviction is I think they play out in the long run. I mean, I just I just deeply believe that when we hold to the values and the virtues that um, define who we are as Christ followers and we let those behaviors guide us in the workplace, they stand out hmm. and they speak volumes to the people around us. Even if we can't be talking our, about our faith overtly, yep. when we show up with those convictions and that moral code, it's a game changer. Yep. And the people around us experience it, right? Like the people that we're leading and that we're influencing, they experience it. So I just want to encourage you, like let your core convictions guide you in leadership and in those positions of power. And so I'll pause there, Daniel, because that might spark another question, or you might want to go back to the question you originally asked me because I keep going my own route. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, it, it almost reminds me of my experience when I, be, you know, prior to working here uh, at Christ Community Church, I had spent some time in corporate consulting. And I think when, when I like really stood up for some of those those values and those things, I think people really respected and really honored that, even, even if yeah. it sometimes came at an expense, so to speak. Right, right. So, yep. um, you know, if there was boundaries that I had to draw with with work or the amount of work that I was going to do or working on weekends and Sundays or like whatever the case was, whatever was yep. part of the normal culture, even drawing some of those boundaries. And that's just, you know, work boundaries. But if you draw other boundaries as well, I think people yep. like really honored and respect that even when it went against the grain of like what they would have assumed or what most people just kind of, uh, you know, assume that you, uh, you know, do whatever it is. So I think like those countercultural things, when you actually are able to live into that, um, people recognize and people honor that and people you yeah. know, look at that and actually respect it. Um, and I think that's especially important too, in the context of power that we're talking about here too, because when you steward your power in a way that um, creates opportunities for others, then people look that's at good. that and they're like, ah, like, why, like, why would you do that? Why would you, why wouldn't you take on that, like, uh, the spotlight, so to speak? And why would you give it to somebody else? You know, yeah. why, why would you, you know, shift some of those things around or like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you make it about you? Right. Um, and I think when you have, uh, other people that are watching and you're in a position of leadership, the way that you steward your power is a testimony is, yeah, is really a exactly testimony right. to them. Right. Um, yeah. not only of just like your work, but of your faith of, you know, how yeah. the way that you're yes. living that out in the workplace and actually expressing it. So, um, I think there's, I think there's something to that of, of that. Um, so, okay. Um, maybe we can talk about the other side of this. So for people who are, um, not in a position 
uh, of power and authority, mm-hmm. or maybe don't have as much influence in the organization. Um, maybe they're just starting out in their career, or they're newer, or whatever the case is. Um, what I mean, when they're under leadership, right? What is the task or the call for that person who might not have as much power and authority um, to actually change their circumstance or change their situation? Do you have any thoughts around, um, yeah, any comments around those kind of situations? Yeah, yeah. I will, uh, and this is probably the reality for a lot of folks, right? Is like I don't sit at you know the upper levels of leadership or power within the structure, and so and you sit kind of in the middle. So it's easy to be frustrated by those above you who you wish were doing things a little differently. What I want to encourage is um, be faithful to steward the influence that you do have. So while you might not have positional authority or power, you know, maybe you're not directly managing other people, your relational influence with other people throughout the organization is greater than you think or can be greater than you think. Mm-hmm. We earn influence through relationships and there and then those relationships build trust and then that compounds our influence. Remembering that it's like you don't need because again, I think people can think about this. You probably have greater respect in some cases for somebody who's a peer because they are a good human and they treat you respectfully and, you know, you fill in the blank. You may have greater respect for that person than maybe the person that you report to who does not handle that power wisely, you know, is not uh, is not smart and thoughtful with their power. Right. So be that person that you want others that you want to experience. Right. Like be that person who is respectful, thoughtful. Again, your character and integrity are showing up consistently with what you value and build that relational influence across the organization because that becomes extraordinarily powerful. Like the relational influence can have a significant impact in an organization. Now, at the same time, I recognize you've got this, maybe somebody that you report to or has greater you know, uh, power or influence in the organization than you do. And, um, and they're not demonstrating, you know, uh, they're not stewarding that power. Well, let's say, uh, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I did, Daniel, in one season of my career was I kept a little journal of my observations of leaders around me, right. Mm-hmm. Of like, I, you know, cause it, I needed somewhere where my, for my frustration to go, you know, <laughs> cause I was like frustrated by <laughs> some people who had sure. greater influence than I did. And I didn't think they were handling it well. And, you know, so I kept a journal that I made sure was very safely, um, tucked Tucked away. away. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But, um, of observations, because I wanted to make sure that if I was ever in that seat, that I remembered how it felt where I was. And, uh, and so I just kept observations and you know, what's hilarious is that a couple of years later, I was promoted into one of the roles that I was so critical of. And once I got there, I realized the pressure that that individual was under the additional responsibilities and weight they were carrying. And it gave me so much more grace for why they might've not shown up as good as I thought they should have. Like I, you know, I was like, Oh, it wasn't all about me. Like this individual was carrying a lot of responsibility and it was under an enormous amount of pressure. And I had no idea the scope that they were carrying. So my other encouragement to you would be just extend grace for what you don't know about what some of those leaders are shouldering. It's not an excuse for like, just for, um, especially, um, inappropriate behavior or, 
you know, if I mean, if somebody's just absolutely doing something wrong or inappropriate, that's a whole nother level. But if somebody's just a bit of a jerk or insensitive or unaware or, you know, like, and you wish that they were more intentional with that power that they have, just make a positive assumption that maybe there's more on their plate than you even realize and kind of extend them some grace for yeah. that yeah. while also continuing, just work on yourself, you know, just work on, Hey, I want to keep being the best leader that I can be, that I can be intentional about whatever level of influence or power I have. I want to be really thoughtful about how I steward that because I'm going to be better prepared when I have more influence or leadership myself. Mm. So good. That's so good. Uh, I love the journal that you kept. I think that's uh, just something so simple, but, <laughs> you know, it's helpful. It, to it help. was an outlet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because sometimes we, I mean, we were, we were talking about with uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked with uh, Dr. Scott Cormo and we were talking about conflict. And sometimes if we don't have something like, you know, whatever it is, sometimes we can leak out, <laughs> uh, whether that's we right. it's gossiping about a co- uh, coworker in another way or, you know, then handling in an unhelpful way, but that's actually seems like a little bit more of a helpful way to handle like, you know, issues or things that you're trying to process and understand, um, which I think yeah. is really good. Um, but then also like when you said, it's really interesting that you got promoted to that place. And then eventually, you know, we're able to look back on this and like, oh, maybe, you know, I get it a little bit better. Um, yeah. And I think too, one of the things that has really, uh, has been really beneficial too of like, I've had, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of leaders in my life who have been willing to um, take time with me and have been really willing to sit down with me. And I think those also have been moments where I've been able to like deeply appreciate a lot of the work or the like stress or like understand some of the things that are on uh, some of the things that they're thinking through and they're dealing with as well. And I think um, if you have a leader in that sort of position, that's willing to actually sit down and, um, you know, kind of even talk through, uh, whatever the decision is, like, then you, you start to kind of see some of those pieces well, which I feel like is, is really helpful. Yeah. And I love, you know, kind of hidden in that too, Daniel is the offering to help or support your leader, you know? Mm -hmm. And so saying, you know, Hey, I noticed you've got this really big project going on. Is there anything I can help with? Or is there anything that if I understood better would be, you know, could help me serve you better in accomplishing this? And what that does is it becomes the bridge builder to, you know, a more understanding and context for what they're navigating and what they have going on. It b- helps build that trust a little, that relationship and trust a little bit. And uh, so anywhere where you can be a bit of a bridge builder in how can I help, how can I serve, how can I support often opens up the space for more of the relationship and yeah. the, those conversations that just become really, really influential both directions. Yeah, I think that's so good. That's so good. Okay, so we've we've talked about a lot of things here, but I, I want to I conclude with this or just kind of this final thought. So what is, so why is it important for us to get this right? Like, I, I want to even just go back mm-hmm. to the why. Like, if we as, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus are able to really get this right and are able to, use our power, our influence, and really steward it well for other people. Um, why, like, why is that important? And like, what is that, like, what will that look like? And what, what does that really mean? I think for us. Yeah, I think it goes back to, I'll, I'll give another like brief story, but, uh, during some of my journey of just trying to understand and comprehend leadership, I spent a good bit of time camped out in the gospels, looking at the life of Jesus. Cause I was like, okay, as a follower, you know, I, I, 
read a bunch of history books. I've read all the leadership books, kind of like you said earlier, where it's like we have plenty of resources. Yeah. But I felt God just kind of prompting me to say, hey, camp out and look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus through how he led. And so that's a fascinating way to read the gospels, by the way, you know, just to look at, okay, let's look at how Jesus led others, like his power, his influence, you know, and look at look at it through that lens. Super powerful. But I remember one time, one day I was reading in Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus says the great commandment, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So these are the two great commandments Jesus leaves us with love God and love others. And so at the end of the day, everything comes back to that. Everything comes back to that. So when we're thinking about these, you know, our power, influence, leadership, at the end of the day, am I loving God and loving others through how I carry out this work? I think it's that simple. I think we overcomplicate yeah. it, right? And at the end of the day, again, as Christ followers, is what I'm doing and how I'm leading, demonstrating that I love God. You know, am I, am I, am I being obedient to what he's called me to? And am I loving others well? And I think if we ask ourselves those two questions, wherever we sit, whatever you know, position of power or influence we have, I think that kind of just brings us back to what are the most important things and it helps us filter out all the noise and all the best practices and you know everything else that are good. I'm not I'm not discrediting. Yeah, but I yeah. think it just simplifies it to saying as I steward this power, this influence, am I loving and honoring God through it and am I loving others well? Mm-hmm. And I think that it just it just brings it back to the heart of it. And I think then we're at a place and a posture where we can steward that influence and that power in a healthy way. Yes, yes. Yeah, having something, a very simple framework like that, always bringing it back to filtering it through those two things. Am I loving yeah. God? Am I loving others? You know, that, That's what that, we're called to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when we look at, I love what you mentioned, like looking at the life of Jesus and studying his uh, leadership style and the way that he led others. But even thinking about how the Son of God gave up all of his rights, all of his authority, and laid it down right. ultimately for us. So he gave up all of his, uh, all, even though he, he, being God, you know, he emptied himself and poured himself out uh, on the cross uh, for us. And I think just that, just that mental image and just picture. having that picture as the backdrop of power and authority, the one who had all of it and laid it, laid, so you know, laid it down. Um, not, you know, not for earthly power or not to, for any sort of prestige, um, but ultimately to become a servant like us, I think is, is really good for us to have in mind. Well, Jenny, um, yeah, you've, you've given us a lot to think about. I'm continuing to reflect on a lot of this and I'm sure I'll continue to reflect on a lot of this. Um, but I want to know for our listeners who are just interested in learning a little bit more about you, some of your work, um, where can they find you if there's a website um, or any sure. of your books? Where can they uh, yeah, find you? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thank you for the conversation. Thank you for investing in leaders, helping us think about um, you know, just important topics that we're all navigating is so powerful, so helpful, so powerful. I didn't do that on purpose, but, but there we go. Um, I would love to connect with everybody. My website is getforesight.com. It's the word get, G-E-T, the number four, S-I-G-H-T.com. That is my website where I have a podcast called Lead Culture. You can find that there. 
um, a bunch of free resources, courses, all kinds of fun stuff. I blog regularly talking all things leadership and culture. So that is the best way to find me. Or you can also find me on social media at Jenny Katrin, J-E-N-N-I-C-A-T-R-O-N. And so please feel free to reach out. Um, I would love to stay connected with everybody. Awesome. Great. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week. So in two weeks, you can expect to hear another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways so that we can be people who demonstrate wisdom in the workplace. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Email us your suggestion, questions, jokes, or ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org. And lastly, tell your friends that the way that they work matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you soon.